Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fiduciary Investors Series podcast. I'm Amanda White, Director of Institutional Content at Connexus Financial and Editor of Top1000Funds.com. My guest today is Jeff Wendling, the newly appointed CEO of Hoop, the 94 billion Canadian fund, the Healthcare of Ontario Pension Plan. Welcome, Jeff. How are you keeping? Uh, I'm keeping well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, doing good. Um, you know, surviving and uh, and trying to thrive. Um, how are things in Toronto? Well, yeah, no, they're very very challenging times, of course. Um, we're working from home largely, and uh, and trying to be uh, be careful in terms of uh, isolating and and so on. But uh, uh, challenging times, but uh, but uh, I'm doing well, and the fund is the fund is doing well. Great. So in preparation for this interview, I was looking back at some of the stories I've written about Hoop over the years and came across a story from 2009 where I interviewed the then CEO, John Crocker. The essence of the story was that matching assets with liabilities led to an underweighting in equities and the fund's subsequent relative survival of the global economic crisis. By way of background, in late 2007, Hoop moved from a traditional 60-40 to a split that looked more like 45-55, which meant when it came to the volatility in equities markets of 2008, it saved about $2 billion on that year's returns. And all of that was because of a focus on liabilities. The fund is now about 119% funded and has been adopting that approach ever since. So let's turn to the year 2020. Has that been the case in this crisis? Have you been able to ride through the volatility relatively unscathed because of this approach? And recognising it's a very different interest rate environment, will bonds still play the role that they once did in the portfolio? Okay, well, those are some very uh, important questions you're asking. Um, yeah, I can just say, just just to set some context here, you're right, 2007, we we went to a liability-driven investing approach. At that time, the 30-year Government of Canada bond yield was in the area of uh, 4 to 4.5%. Uh, and we made a major allocation in our fund to to uh, to bonds and long-term bonds, uh, and and you're right that that served us very well through the financial crisis. It also served us well for the last 13 years as interest rates have declined, and we've been able to realize very high returns on those bond portfolios. We still we still have largely uh, maintained a very high bond weighting, uh, so it served us well. It served us well. Uh, again, earlier this year during uh, during the uh, the severe market sell-off uh, in in the second quarter of the year. Uh, so yeah, it did it did help us. Uh, it also over all those years, in addition to providing uh, strong returns for the fund, it also really limited the volatility of our surplus. So it really did a good job of having our liabilities match our our, our assets match our liabilities, and of course. You know, our liabilities were growing considerably as interest rates were declining. The present value of those liabilities was growing as interest rates were declining. So it's worked out well through all of the, you know, these 13 or so years. Uh, but you're right. Now we're at a situation where yields are uh, are very low. The third-year Canada bond yield is around uh, 1%. In the five- to seven-year, you're looking at 50 basis points, thereabouts. Uh, you know, real yields are negative. Um, and so we really have to ask ourselves, does this liability-driven investment strategy still make sense? Uh, that's, a, that's a key question. And another question is, you know, how do we build a portfolio that's going to generate the returns that we need to keep fully, Hoop fully funded over the long term? So the, bond port, the bonds are really not, uh, not going to be going to do that for us in the way that they have in the past, we believe. So we've got to look at a new, 
you know, a new way of investing. And, and uh, you know, we're calling this uh, LDI 2.0 or the evolution of LDI. We always want to focus very much on our liabilities, but what we do when interest rates are at these levels is, is, is perhaps uh, quite different. So hopefully we'll tease out through these conversations, you know, what what the future might look like for you in terms of allocation. But one thing I want to touch on at this point is, you know, as I mentioned at the outset, you've traditionally held less inequities than other funds. And you mentioned that, you know, maybe it's a the old way of doing things may not be the new way of doing things. And given this low interest rate, low return environment, do you think this is likely to change in terms of how you look at equities what do you think the portfolio composition with this sort of bond equities combination will look like in sort of two, three, five years' time? Well, what I think it's going to look like, I mean, there are a few things. It's going to, we're, going to hold, we're going to hold fewer bonds. And again, they don't provide, they provide minimal returns right now. Uh, they also provide less, less risk mitigation benefits to the growth in our liabilities. And they also provide less diversification, I think, if risk-seeking assets were to experience uh, difficulties. So, for example, those bonds really helped us, as you alluded to earlier, in the in the 08, 09, and, and the global financial crisis. I'm not sure they're going to act as well, given how low yields are now, if we have uh, difficult markets going forward. So, they don't do the things they did for us in the past. So, we're going to hold fewer bonds. We're going to hold more return-seeking assets, and that's that will be uh, public equities, that will be uh, private equity, real estate, infrastructure, something that we've, we've only recently uh, uh, developed a program for. Um, you know, we're going to hold more bond-like assets with higher returns. So we're going to look at things, and we are looking at things like uh, portfolios of higher dividend-yielding equities, uh, for example. You know, sub-sovereign debt is something that we have, uh, you know, our Canadian provincial uh, bond holdings, um, you know, will, will be larger, I think, over time. We're also looking for more uh, alpha strategies, more uncorrelated sources of return that we can bring in, and either through internal or external management. Um, and we're going to have more international diversification. All of that, we think, is going to help us, again, to generate the returns that we need to keep us fully funded, the returns that we're not getting any more uh, from our bond holdings. So we'll come to some of those other investments in a bit, but I just want to sort of talk about the the risk mitigation and Hoops used derivatives for a long time as a way of mitigating risk. Can you talk us through how that's played out over the past few months and how you use derivatives and, and, and what that looks like internally? Yeah, well, we use derivatives in a, for, you know, a number of, uh, in a number of ways. Uh, you know, one of them is um, to, uh, to potentially reduce tail, tail risk, for example. So that is something we did a lot of in, in uh, 07, uh, before the global financial crisis, we had a lot of hedging, hedging uh, uh, of the S and P 500, for example, and that that did did work out well for us. So we we use it for those we use it for those purposes. Uh, that that's worked out well. That again helped us somewhat this year. You know, we also use derivatives to get a lot of our um, our equity exposure. So we'll use total return swaps, futures, things like that to get our equity exposure. So you know, it allows us to actually then take those funds and invest them in things like long term bonds. So that's you know that's still uh, that still helped us this year. Um, so the derivative approach is 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 a key part of our our long term success, and it continues to be so. So as we change our potentially change the assets that we look at, as I just mentioned a few moments ago, derivatives will still be a very large part of how we manage this this plan. 
Some of the CIOs have, who I've spoken to who've had higher allocations to equities than, than you guys have really kind of had some massive hits early in the year and they've now kind of come back to December levels in terms of AUM. Can you tell us a little bit about the volatility in, in your portfolio, how, how it was hit, where you are now relative to the end of the last year? Yeah, we, we, we ended last year at, uh, at about uh, $94 billion. We had a very strong return last year of over something, a little over 17%. So we ended the year in a strong position. Uh, you know, certainly we got we got hit uh, in, in primarily in the second quarter on the sell-off in markets. So while we had, did have our bond holdings that did uh, with the flight to, to quality or the or the flight to a haven asset, the bond uh, assets held in very well. We still have sizable equity positions. They did get taken down. So the first quarter, um, you know, was was a was a was a negative return for us. We had uh, you know something I think in the area of uh, close to a five percent decline in the first quarter. Uh, we did do a lot of actually buying of risk of risky assets in uh, in in March and April. So that was we added to our equity positions, uh, we added to credit positions, we added to provincial bonds, for example, as well. So we had a very strong, um, very strong second quarter, and uh, and right now we're uh, we're at an all time high in assets. So just just under a hundred billion Canadian right now. So it's it's turning into a decent year, but certainly we had you know we had some significant volatility, we had some significant liquidity. Um, you know demands uh, in in Q1, but we uh, we got through that, and it's uh, you know the fund's doing well. And again, as I said, it's an all time high in assets right now. That's great. It's been a big year for lots of people, I think, and uh, certainly working for, working for our, our money, aren't we? Um, because of the way you manage money, and or at least have done in the past, with these two separate portfolios, one as a liability hedge and one as a return seeking portfolio, you keep it. A very close eye on inflation and I think this is possibly one of the biggest macro conversations investors are having at the moment looking at inflation deflation reflation um, really interested in your views on inflation given the history of the fund and how closely you've watched that in the past can you talk a little bit about what your outlook for inflation might be and and how you're treating that yeah, I mean, inflation is a you know is a is a risk for the fund, or it can certainly impact our liabilities for, in a couple of ways. One is that, uh, um, you know, our, our the hoop um, pension uh, benefit is based on uh, your uh, an employee's best five years of earnings. So, if there's more wage inflation over time, uh, we're going to have a have a higher benefit, and there are a lot, therefore our liability is going to be higher. Also, uh, you know, the hoop. Uh, board and who has has the intention of paying uh, 100% uh, cost of living adjustments. So, um, you know that can also impact the liability. So, inflation is important from the point of view of how it can impact our liabilities. And so, we do want to look at having assets that also can perform well in a higher inflation environment. And uh, um, and we do have a, you know a number of assets that that serve that purpose. Whether it's you know we have real return bonds. Uh, we have inflation break-evens. Uh, you know, we have a real estate portfolio as well. So we do look at that. We do, uh, we do in our stress testing approach. We do stress test. Uh, you know, various severe shocks, inflation shocks, and 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 look at how that ultimately impacts our assets and liabilities and our funded ratio. So you know, you're right to say inflation is something we've always uh, focused on as well. And and what's your outlook for the next year or so? Are you how, how are you tr- are you treating it differently? Um, 
Well, it's a tough. It's a tough. It's a tough question because right now you've got folks on on uh, really. Uh, uh, speaking to some the other day, and the and the view was you've never had probably more. Um, you know, wider range of views on it. I mean, there are folks that'll tell you that we're we're going to be in a severe uh, economic recession and deflation is coming, and other folks think that uh, you know this reflation is going to work and we're going to end up with, with 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 potentially high rates of inflation that uh, policymakers can't control, and maybe we'll even see stagflation. So there's a whole range of of ideas out there. Uh, Look, right now, inflation has obviously been, uh, you know, very well behaved. The last number of years is actually under undershot generally. Uh, what the policymakers were looking for in their targets. Um, I think inflation is going to remain pretty well behaved, you know, in the near term. Uh, but I do think these these uh, reflationary efforts of the policymakers will eventually um, will eventually lead to to higher inflation. And so that is something we do see. We do believe will occur longer term. Um, but I don't think that's something in the near term. Near term, we're kind of are, are, we're really thinking of inflation. Being, behaving in a way that it's kind of behaved in the last last number of years. So I want to dive into a little bit more detail around this LDI 2.0, and we'll come to some specific asset classes. You mentioned in infrastructure and real estate, and I want to talk about those in a second. But sort of stepping back from that, you know, I mentioned that the history has been managing two separate portfolios, one as a liability hedge and one as a return-seeking portfolio and, and some other funds, ATP, do something similar. Do you, do you envisage that that's going to continue in terms of your portfolio construction? That's that's the way that you'll continue to manage assets? Or are you looking actually to put things kind of back together a little bit more and look at it in the sort of total portfolio sense? Yeah, well, I think we do still at the end of the day look at the total portfolio. But but no, I, I think that we will we will look at those two separate portfolios. I think the Libre Hedge portfolio is you know that's all about really you know ensuring that we can de- deliver on our our mission which is which as we call it is to, to deliver on the pension promise and and the best way that we can ensure that we can deliver on the pension promise over the long term is to is to really manage um the volatility or the risk to our surplus and uh and the way we can do that is by really taking very being very uh, attentive to and, and looking closely at our liabilities and creating a portfolio that um, that can really, um, in many ways, hedge those liabilities, or at least hedge the volatility of of the funded ratio. So that's not going to change because we, that is the bottom line. We're not here to generate the highest return that we can generate. We're here uh, ultimately to make sure we can deliver on the pension promise, and that is about making sure that uh, we can limit the uh, the risk to our surplus or the volatility of that surplus. And that means focus on liabilities and focus on assets. In the liability hedge portfolio that can perform in a similar fashion to those liabilities and just limit the uh, the volatility or the risk to the surplus that that's not going to change so let's have a look at, at some of the things you have done recently unlike other canadian funds hoops been relatively late to infrastructure i think your predecessor jim keen kind of was unconvinced that investors were rewarded for the liquidity lockup um and you've had a preference in the past for real estate. So a bit of a two-part question, there's kind of a lot in this, but you know, you've recently started implementing an infrastructure program and have now deployed over a billion dollars. So what will that look like going forward? How does that fit into the portfolio and how are you planning to build that out? Is it uh, co-investment? Um, how big is the allocation going to be, et cetera? And then you know, maybe separately we'll come to a question around 
real estate, but I'm really interested, given your expertise and long-standing investments in real estate, what your outlook is for real estate, given the disruption to work and 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 retail and uh, living, um, sort of you know of the recent you know COVID crisis. So maybe we'll start with infrastructure and we'll come back to real estate. Yeah, and, I, and you're right to say we were late. We've been late to the to the infrastructure. Um, uh, investing. Having said that, again, we had our, our, our uh, very substantial bond holding service quite well over that time. And uh, also, what do want to highlight that we significantly increased our exposure to private equity and real estate over the last 10 or 12 years. So, you know, private equity, which was um, something less than uh, 4 or 5% of our portfolio, is now uh, in the range of 10%, real estate is now 15% of the fund. So these are these are we've done a lot of work on on private assets and alternatives. Infrastructure is new for us. Yes, uh, we launched that last year. Um, we have an internal team. Uh, you know, it's a billion dollars now. I mean, that includes that's a billion dollars of commitments, and and some of that money has been put out. Uh, we're looking at that through uh, through some uh, select fund uh, relationships. And certainly, co-investments are something that we we really want to um, you know utilize in, in infrastructure, as we have in uh, in private equity as well. Uh, you know, so it's in-house with with uh, you know using uh, fund managers doing some co-invest, potentially some some uh, true direct as well. Um, and that area is going to be it's going to get a lot bigger. And this is you know this is a key asset that we think is going to. Uh, replace some of those bonds that just aren't yielding us uh, the returns that we need right now. So, uh, uh, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be an important part of our assets. As and and I think also you know the other you know private equity and real estate still have more room to grow as well. If you look at where we are in terms of our our private assets, you know uh, we're about twenty five, just over twenty five percent. You know some of our peers are are closer to fifty percent. So there's going to be room in all of those areas, I think, to grow. You mentioned. That you you're getting yield from infrastructure that you may have got from your bonds in the past. What about as an inflation hedge? Are you looking at it for that dual purpose? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean those those assets also have some of the hedging characteristics um, that we look for to 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 hedge our liabilities. So they have you know there's there's you know uh, inflation um, hedging aspects of that. There's interest rate if rates do continue to go to go down. Um, you know, they're, they're, those assets will also perform. Well, that, that's true of real estate, we believe, as well. So they can also act as not only give us the return, but they can provide some of that, um, some of that hedging uh, that we looked for from our uh, from our long-term bonds. So I want to chat a little bit about real estate. As I mentioned, you know, you've been in it for a long time, significant allocation, lots of expertise. Um, real estate is a conversation that comes up with every investor that I speak to probably more than it ever has, um, given the disruption, as I mentioned, that, that COVID has had on that market. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're looking at? I know you've owned some some office buildings in the past. What does the split look like now in the future? Do you have an outlook for the future of work and how does that play into your views on the office market? Um, what What is the future of technology and online buying have for retail um tell me a little bit about what your thoughts are around real estate yeah well there's so much going on there uh, there were even before covid there was so much uh, to think about in real estate with uh online commerce what that meant for retail uh and so on um 
so yeah, no, there's a lot, lot of, lot of thinking, and I think, I think, our thinking is still evolving there. I would say a couple of things. Um, you know, Hoop um, did get very uh, much involved and built up a very large program in in logistics and warehousing, and we did that many years ago. So we, for example, have a a large logistics platform uh, in Europe. Um, we're currently building one of the biggest logistics uh, sites in the UK, for example. We have a number of major logistics facilities in Germany, uh, Scandinavia, uh, Canada. We're building a lot. We're a very large industrial landlord in the G- in the greater Toronto area. So we have, um, we have over many years built up a very strong program there. We're also doing a lot in the US as well. So... Um, We've certainly got had some retail that is that is traditional retail that has suffered, but uh, our real estate portfolio has done pretty well with a very strong emphasis on logistics, and that will continue. And that has the tailwinds of uh, of e-commerce and of, of course even more so right now with what's going on with COVID. Retail that that's a, that's a, certainly a question uh, you know for us, and um, we have we have some traditional retail. Um, but logistics is very well for us. Office, that is another area. You asked the question. We have office. Um, and, uh, you know, it's hard to see, you know, certainly things are going to change, right? Even Hoop itself, we, we didn't really have many folks working from home. Well, that's going to change now. We don't know what percent of our people will be working from home, even when we get back to the office uh, after this COVID uh, the pandemic. So, it's going to change. I think our view now is still that high-quality office uh, in key markets. You know, we think that will do well long-term, and so we have a number of uh, uh, buildings in Toronto, in downtown Toronto. We have some in 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 London, England, and Vancouver, and you know, cities like that. We think uh, we think can still do well long-term, but there's no doubt there's going to be a, there's going to be pressure, and I think in certain markets and. Um, less high quality properties there you know that that there are a lot of headwinds uh uh for that uh that side of the business but we have a very diversified portfolio as well we're not uh you know in terms of product types and and even geographically so we uh, you know there was a time when we were probably about 90 percent canadian real estate well we're you know we're still heavily weighted to canada but it's probably more like 60 percent. we have a lot of uh, you know real estate in western europe a lot in the u.s um we built up our residential considerably over the years especially in the u.s market so um that's still going to be an important asset for us and we think uh, you know high quality office will still be uh you know we'll do well in the long term but no doubt there are some significant uh challenges to deal with and uh and working from an office or home that'll probably never be the same it's such an interesting conversation isn't it we're having it internally too you know so many people are working really effectively from home but we still kind of want a base and we want to see clients in an office and how do you kind of put that all together? It's such an interesting conversation. Yeah. A couple of things on that too. You know, I must say that, you know, I became CEO on, on April 1st and for the first three months I worked from my home office. I didn't come into the office once uh, right through the whole, you know, sell off in the markets and code. I'm also the chief investment officer still here. And so, you know, in March, uh, we were having Zoom calls every morning to to look at the markets and and so on. And I got to say that, and I think this is true. Many people would say this. I mean, you, I'm sure you've heard this, but most folks would say it's gone far better than we ever would have thought working from home. We've been able to, you know, pay the pensions, uh, collect uh, collect the contributions, pay the salaries, manage the fund, do all of these things. Worked pretty well. Um, 
So that's great. But I do think the longer this goes, the more we're going to see that there are some things that we're missing and that maybe are not going quite as well as we thought. And time will tell. And I think one of those things, and other folks have mentioned as well, but is the idea of culture. Like, how do you really maintain a healthy, strong culture uh, when you're, if you're never coming together in that, in that, in a physical office? And, you know, we've hired a lot of people. Hoop is growing. You know, you know, uh, we're still in a growth mode. We're hiring folks. We're hiring folks that have never, never met anybody, right? Uh, physically, they've never been in our offices now. And so you wonder, I mean, what does it mean for culture long-term? I, I think we're missing more than we think because in many ways it's gone much better than we thought, at least up to this point. So there's going to be a need to have uh, to, to come back at some point. And what we're going to do is we're actually um, starting in October, um, we're going to start having those folks that feel they, they, they need to come in um, it'll be a voluntary, but we're having folks start to come in and we, we expect we might have something like about 10% of our employees come in, not every day, but on a, you know, periodically throughout the week. And then we'll look at the new year when we, uh, we'll determine at a later date, whether we have, when we do the full reopen, but, um, it's going very well, but I, I do think you're, you're, mis- you're certainly missing some things and that'll become more apparent over the longer this goes, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that that coming together and the the physicality is, is something that's missing and, and you know you get something different from being in person but I like that it's kind of forcing people to be flexible and to look at things differently and you know that may ne- have never happened if we have hadn't have been forced to do that um yeah so Jeff congratulations on the new position um as you mentioned Thank you. you became CEO in April um as you also mentioned you're also CIO is that something that's likely to continue or are you looking for a, a CIO so that you can concentrate on the CEO role? How's that going to shape out? Yeah, it's something that I think, um, you know, uh, we'll reevaluate uh, in the new year. But I think, you know, given all that's going on in the markets with COVID, I, I, I thought it was just uh, appropriate uh, to, re- to retain that role as well. But we'll, but we're, we'll be reevaluating re-evalu- that in the new year. So what... If anything, will you be changing organisationally? How's how's it look from an organisational point of view now that you're you're in charge? Um, you mentioned that you know you've traditionally managed most assets in house. Is that going to continue? Um, I know you're considering some external specialist mandates, but have you got sort of ch- sort of structural changes in mind? I notice you're also looking to hire a chief risk officer. What does that look like from a structural decision making yeah. kind of point of view? No, there's another, there are a number of changes going on. Just in terms of the structure, we've we've uh, appointed our first ever chief operating officer, so that's a new role for us. And again, if you think about Hoop, like it's you know our, our growth has been pretty dramatic over the last number of years, both in terms of asset size and just new programs and and uh, new areas of focus. So we've 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 really you know grown considerably. Uh, so we now have a chief operating officer in place. We have also, as you mentioned, we're hiring our first ever chief risk officer. Actually, um, uh, the person starts tomorrow. Uh, so we're very excited about that. And again, that's an important um, change for us. We've always been, I think, very strong risk managers. But again, the fund is getting larger, more complex, you know, more international. Um, and we just need to constantly be you know, be improving and, and working on our, our risk management capabilities. And so that's an important new role for us. And we're all very excited about uh, that person coming on board. Um, so those are two key areas in the, uh, in terms of the senior leadership 
uh, at Hoop. Um, when you talk about on the investment side, external management, internal management, you know, as as I'm sure you're aware, Hoop was one of the probably earlier funds to really move away from external management and get into largely internally managed uh, uh, focus uh, many years ago. This is probably around the time that we did LDI. We really actually uh, reduced uh, the percentage of assets that were managed externally, went very much to an internally managed model. That has served us well. Um, and where we did use external management was generally in the area of private equity. Um, but, um, you know, as we go forward, I think, again, part of the, you know, part of trying to generate the returns that we need and, and replace some of those bond returns is, is, is looking at new strategies, as I mentioned, looking at new absolute return strategies, for example. And we can do some of those things internally. We have a, a, a long history of doing that. But we're also going to use external matters where we can in, in a very selective way just to, again, find more sources of return, more diversified sources of return. So I think going forward, we're going to have uh, Hoop will still be largely internally managed, but probably not as much as it has been in the past. Jeff, it sounds like and, the last six months have been pretty full on for you and your new role and uh, lots going on at the fund in terms of you know how you look to the future and and manage your assets and, and have the right team around you for that. So really appreciate you sharing some of those thoughts with us today. It's been a pleasure to speak with you as always, and I look forward to, to staying in touch and seeing how things develop. Yeah, thank you. Well, very nice, uh, very nice chatting with you today. Take care, Jeff. Thank you. You as well. Thank you.